Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. We've done all the books. And now we're diving into the TV show. Join us every Tuesday for a new mission. And don't worry, we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Hello, hello, Andalite Bandalites. Uh, welcome. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Bonsoir. Etc. Etc. Guten Morgen. That was probably terrible. I apologize to everybody. Okay, anyways, welcome to uh, our fourth fanfic here. Um, we are going to be talking about another fanfiction by somebody that we don't know, but um, came so highly recommended. Like, seriously. So the fanfic that we're talking about today is Lady Bird, Lady Bird by Solo Moon. That's S-O-L-O-M-O-O-N. And oh my god, who recommended this one to us? Well, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll let you go and enjoy this one. Sorry if you had a no bummers rule. We did not follow that. Oh, oh no. no. Oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. Dear. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um okay, let's let's just talk about first of all everybody who recommended this one to us because it was fucking yeah. everybody. Um, but especially hard, uh, people pushing this one especially hard were Maria, my doctor, <laughs> uh, Dan, who we adore and love and have almost killed multiple times because he keeps eating food while we're going to the podcast, Monica, Monica P, who is another great Renaissance woman of many talents, and Owl Gal, who we have told you everything <laughs> about her. It would, it would just, it's, we have to bring her right. back in at this point. But yeah, they all recommended this to us and we're like, you've got to read this one. And I had read this one before. This was the closest Jeff and I ever got to, oh, right, no. I think. Oh yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Not like an actual like fight where we were mad at each other, but like we a took away debate. a heated debate. We took away two entirely different things from this. It wasn't even a heated debate. It was like, we were both super passionate about two different uh -huh. aspects of this and they were kind of opposites yeah. of each other oh my god but like once we talked it out it was like oh we're reacting to the same thing just from a different yeah. perspective so this was this was already like i was excited about the story because it was so interesting that we took away such different oh, things from it it's a fucking complicated situation it's so complicated it is brutal yeah mm. This story is brutal. Like, I know we're talking about Animorphs and they're all brutal, but this one is yeah, this one's fucking a, brutal. This one's a special layer of hell. This is a special layer of hell. Okay. It's from a perspective that we didn't really get to see in the books, and it's just like we didn't we were not prepared for this. No. No, I <laughs> oh. No, we weren't. Oh my god. Okay, let me give you the, the name and the author, and then we can start talking about it. So this is Lady Bird, Lady Bird by Solo Moon. And I have been told by Monica P. that everything, and Owl Gal, I think, that everything that Solo Moon does is great. 
I have only read this one story, and I agree that this is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised if binging everything sh- that they ever did was great. So it's yep. S-O-L-O moon, as in the moon, solo moon. Look okay. at the moon. Look at the moon. <laughs> of the moon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know what that was. This is not an appropriate time to reference Noel Fielding, okay? It's <laughs> <laughs> the opposite direction. Okay. Tell me about this story. It's... Okay. Ugh. Oh my god, this might be one of the ones where I don't know if I add in much other than the notes I took. Yeah, go fucking read this one. It's... Go fucking read this one. I mean, go read all of them, but like, damn. Yeah, it's... (sighs) Okay, just do it. (laughs) Okay. For the first time since the war ended, Jean's dream about Tom is a good one. It's no particular day, but an aggregate of memories when her six-year-old boy Tom is pressed up against her, wiggly and cuddly, and he's singing, Ladybug, Ladybug, fly away home, your house is on fire, your children are all gone. <laughs> and she doesn't have the heart to tell him that he's doing it wrong. Natu- or normally, the dreams are horrible. They're about Tom crying out for help somewhere that she can't reach him, screaming from down the hall... It's, it's not hard to figure out what it means. She just didn't want to hear the cries until it was too late. And even as he has sat across from her at the table smiling, he was screaming for help and she didn't hear it. Jean didn't hear it back then. She didn't fling herself out of bed half asleep before. Not like she did now before realizing that Tom was dead and Jake, Jake didn't need help anymore. <laughs> Today she wakes gently and wonders if maybe this was the first step of healing. This is what her group talked about, where her memories could go from shards into treasured feelings about her past. It was still sad, of course. The memory of the sun slanting over Tom's dark curls and his tiny fists awakes an emptiness inside of her, and probably always will. But it's been two years. Maybe it's time she can hurt less. Steve sits up beside her and asks if she's alright, and she says, sure, she'll go make breakfast, and then says, you can go wake up Jake. There are still four chairs at the kitchen table. Jean finds that she lacks the strength to pick up the fourth chair and put it back, so she leaves it as a silent testimony to the son that she used to have. Thanks, Mom, her son's murderer says as he smiles up at her with a mouthful of pancakes. These are really good. Mm. It was a mercy kill, according to the newspapers, or else self-defense, defense of an innocent life. Jean wonders who was innocent and is pretty sure it was Tom when Rachel's killing blow cut through his spine. That's great, sweetheart, Jean hears herself say, completely devoid of tone or emotion, as she watches Jake set a piece of gilded aluminum on the mantelpiece. Apparently that's the price of fratricide these days. Jean has the dream again, with Tom reciting, Ladybug, ladybug, fly away home. Your house is on fire, your children are all gone, except one asleep in his bed. Fly away now before he is dead. When she wakes up from this dream, she thinks, I know, I know now. Then there's the footage. Jean finds out that the footage is playing on the news when Naomi calls her, choked with rage, saying, how dare they? How dare those bastards think they can? The headlines say things like, it was a mercy kill, or it was love, or at least he tried. Jean is not surprised. She sees it in the way that they look at her. Her co-workers, her greengrocer, her neighbors, they all watched her son die. Jake gives Jean a present all- Ugh, God, this is so brutal, I'm sorry. (laughs) Jake gifts Jean presents all the time. He custom orders a new lawnmower, big checks, a 20-carat diamond from the Queen of England that Jake placed in the bowl where she keeps her car keys, 
The instant Jake left the room, she snatched it out of the bowl and threw it in the trash. The letters T-O-M-M-Y on the underside of the bowl made it no place to put this blood money. One day, Jake presents them with an envelope between her and Steve. The place was upstate, and they don't have to move if they don't want to. But he paid it off in full, and he figured... Figured what, Jean wonders? Figured they would want to move out of the house and leave all memory of Tom behind? She hears Steve say, thanks, kiddo, we really appreciate it. And it sounds like he means it, which hurts her. Jean is running up the stairs before she consciously registers why. She heard a muffled sound coming from Tom's room and thinks, her baby is back. She can go to him. She's not dreaming this time. She opens the door and freezes. Jake is standing in Tom's room amongst the wreckage. Instead of everything placed where it should be, the bed made, everything left where it was the last day he was here, the boxes are out of the closet. They're on the floor. And Jake's crying over an open box of Tom's basketball jerseys and trophies. What are you doing here? Jean asks, her voice coming out cold and hard. Jake had moved it all, defiled it, ruined it. Jake starts saying, I, I was just, I just figured we could sort through all this, see what makes sense to keep when we move and what. Get out. Jean doesn't recognize her own voice. The only thing she recognizes in this moment was that she was giving up on motherhood. It had brought her nothing but pain, and it was high time she relinquished it. She would box up Tom's things herself and decided what got destroyed and donated and what was kept. Starting with Tom's killer. Get out was the next thing she said. Jake takes a breath and says, yeah, yeah, okay, sorry, I'll let you finish it up. Internally, Jean is screaming, get out of my house, get out of my life. But what she says out loud is, you're 18, it's high time you found your own place, and goodness knows you can afford it. Your father and I will take the house in Santa Barbara, and you can find your own place. Something happens on Jake's face then. Something stops being wounded and vulnerable, because it is dead. Jean is ready now. She will stop being a mom. She will go to finding out who else Jean is and what else she does, because being a mom is not it anymore. It takes less than a day for Jake to pack up and leave. No one explains anything to Steve. But it's Steve who answers the door when the cops knock hard, shattering the quiet of their home. It's Steve whose voice wavers as he says, What do you mean missing and presumed dead? Steve who whispers, Thank you for letting us know. Steve who holds her when the air leaves her body alongside a senseless animalistic scream and she moans like a wounded animal. Jean, you fool, she thinks. How could she have cut him out like that? Her baby boy, her clumsy, solemn second child. Once Steve recorded Tom saying with his small child lisp, Ladybug, Ladybug, fly away home. But Jean never dreams about it again. The warning only came to her while there was still hope. Now she only dreams of both voices of her sons crying out in the night. That's that story. Fuck! Yeah. Nah. Nah! (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Well. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm wrecked. Tell me what you thought of this when you finished reading it. Uh, I'm dead now. Nothing else matters. And I'm going to lay down and cry. (laughs) Like, oh my God. I just, so usually, like, we've been bombarded with how the kids feel. Like, Mm -hmm. absolutely just ruined multiple times over. And... We did not ever get to see the parents' reaction. And just the fact, like, what the f- I just don't even know. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yep. Mmm. God. Yeah. No. What a powerful fucking story. For sure. For sure. And I had the same reaction again reading it the second time, which was I came away from it just angry. Just so angry. Oh. And it's not like at the author or anything, but at Jean. Because, like... I, I guess this is like a product of I don't have kids of my own, right? So I don't really get the perspective of like, this is how a mother feels so strongly for her kids and blah, blah, blah. So I really only know from the perspective of like Jake and what he's been through and how many times he had to compromise himself and break himself down and how much everything weighed on him and how hard he tried to save Tom and his family and how how insane he went when they got captured, when his parents got captured and when Tom took them. And the fact that she kept railing against him and calling him her son's killer. And I just, I wanted to just scream at her because it's like your son, first of all, will never dispute any of these horrific things you're saying to him because he internally already feels that. And he's he's already lived with that for years beyond what you have. He mm-hmm. will never regret anything more than Tom's death in this war. And <laughs> the fact that you keep pushing him away and pushing that narrative on him and then decide that he's not even worthy of your love anymore and that he's not even going to be your son anymore and yes she goes back on it at the end when it's too late when he's already left Mm -hmm. but he doesn't know that the last thing he knew was his mother hated him and kicked him out and doesn't love him anymore doesn't think of him as a son and the fact that she did that to jake just made me so angry on his behalf because he doesn't deserve any of that Mm mm-hmm So I came away with the same reaction again, but the second time through fully with the understanding of when you lose a kid, you don't have the most rational thoughts and you're not Mm -hmm. thinking from that perspective. And it's crushing and agonizing and you're going, you know, grief does terrible things to you, makes you act in ways that you don't. Yeah. You wouldn't normally act or you wouldn't if you thought about it from a different perspective, you wouldn't act. So I get that. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the multiple kind of reactions thing come from a place of like, it's an authentically told story of imperfect characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it very accurately captures like the thing about Animorphs is that like everything fucking sucks. There is no right answer. There is no right reaction to anything. It's just raw and and... Like, there's not any sort of way that she should feel, but the fact that, like, she did feel this and that it's not rational and it's, it's, it's like, almost kind of sick in a way, mm-hmm. but it's also, like, totally understandable in a way. So right. I love that it captures the complexity of, of the original series. Yeah. But I also hate it. <laughs> right. Uh, right. 
Yeah, it really does. It's it's very much a continuation on that like letter from Applegate where it's like it's the child fantasy that you come away from war and everybody's happy that you won. It's horrifying on everybody and everybody's going to come away broken and that's going to manifest itself in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could easily imagine a world where Jake comes home and his mom is of course mourning the death of Tom and understand, but understands like why this had to happen and mm-hmm. forgives him. But I kind of love this take on it that she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I but- also would love uh, we get a glimpse of it. I would also love a similar story from Naomi's perspective. Oh my god, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. How mad would you get about that? Because you are not a fan of Naomi near the end of the series. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I guess it would depend. I mean, I would probably... Oh, this is hitting a little too close to home now. I would probably be absolutely appalled that she was so angry on her daughter's behalf when... She was so brutal to Rachel at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, I don't know where the story would go. I'm just saying I want to see it from Naomi's perspective. Yeah. Like maybe hers would be more of a story of like coming to terms with the fact that like her daughter did horrific things. Or like it could be a different sort of journey, right? So yeah. I don't really know, but I would just like to see that story. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man. Ugh fucking wrecked i know this this was such a brutal one to end on Mm -hmm. god the highest highs and the lowest lows yeah i kind of (laughs) felt like we went from like the most wholesome and pure sort of stories all the way to (laughs) pits of despair oh god yeah i mean the the only other way to order this would have been chronologically which would have been Owlgal's story and then uh language oh crap the the three times Rachel had Marco's back yeah. and the one time he had hers and then it would be Nate's story and then it would be this one and <laughs> I think I think that would have been too much <laughs> oh my, yeah it would have been like whiplash like it would have been like we just progressively stepped ourselves down the ladder <laughs> it's true and like yeah Oh my god. Yep. 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 Oh my god. I love it all though. I love that we like. Okay. I know this is inherently true of like fan fiction and stories and blah, blah, blah. But I love that we can get these adorable high moments where all we want to do is talk about like how amazing Tobias is and like how Mm -hmm. cute he is and like wonderful to this brutal. Hated, <laughs> hatred-filled, <laughs> like just like dark story. I love that. Like people, like fucking a. People are so good at creating shit. Like this is all yeah. a fantasy world. Look at all the things we've played with in this space. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, I just. I, love it. I can't believe fan fiction. I don't know if it still does, but fan fiction used to get such a bad rap about being mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not real writing and it's not, you know, it's 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 a waste of time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, 
No, absolutely not. <laughs> like, that is so fucking wrong. That is... Oh, God. It's just... Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. Like, it's just a joy to be able to see all of these very amazing, talented people just expand on a universe that we love that is no longer being expanded upon by, like, the original authors and just, like, give us all of this, like, extra stuff. It's just such a treat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing that I I love so much about this is that because of the way Animorphs was written, there's so much room for these little moments where we have mm-hmm. this. Like, there's absolutely room for Tobias and Rachel to have that moment over the toolbox. There's absolutely the moment after the war where mm-hmm. Tobias and Marco could have hung out together and gone to a bar without yeah. Anybody else knowing. Like, sure. Like, there's so much room for all of this in the original universe. And I just, I fucking love that people are playing with this. Like, and you're right. There's so many amazingly talented people out there. Like, it's, it's just so cool that people are willing to put their time and energy into this. Yeah. Cause like, they're doing this for free and they're doing this like purely because they love the series and they, mm-hmm. they have these ideas and they want to write them down and share them with the world. And like, seriously, thank you to all the fan fiction writers out there for like, for yeah. doing that, for putting yourself into these words and just making this content for free for people to enjoy. Like, it's really just, it's like the ultimate love letter to the fandom, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> oh. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to cry. Ay, ay, ay. Shit. <laughs> now what? Let's wrap it up. Thank you, all of you fan fiction writers, ones we know, ones we don't, those who we love and do not know, and those who we do know and still love. Yep. all that jazz and welcome to the end of the episode i hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that fan fiction and um this is one where after after i read it there was a lot to talk about i mean obviously like you you hear casey and i talk about it a lot but um in this one we had the experience because we were asking about it in a channel with more than just casey and i to talk to other people about how (laughs) how this fic made them feel and what they took away from it and as i alluded to and talked about in the episode there was a lot of different responses so i really i know i say at the end of every episode if you want to talk to casey or i email us at anonymous at gmail.com but for real like come talk to us about this one if if you had feelings like this is a really really deep fan fiction and i would love to hear from somebody that has a better perspective than me on this because there are so many of you anybody who has kids or has had a, a, an experience of losing somebody like this or psychologists or whatever um yeah the, this is a this is a deep one so for i really the invitation is open to everybody at all times to send us an email but um just want to like really hammer it home in this episode because i think this is a really intense conversation starter. (laughs) Uh, If you don't like email, um, one, 
wow, I'm really impressed by you in this day and age to not partake in email, but somehow then partook in Facebook, you can go ahead and reach out to us uh, just in, in our Animorphs Anonymous page, or you can join our super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Animorphs Anonymous. If you have Twitter, you can tweet at me at Animorphs Anon. If you have Instagram, you can look up at Animorphs Anonymous and find me there. And if you are a person that has a Discord and enjoys being in Discords, we have one of those too. So just reach out to me on any one of the socials or um, send me a carrier pigeon and I will get you the link to the Discord, get you in there. So you can talk to not only me, but all of the amazing people that we have been talking up for the last four episodes of our podcast. <laughs> Everybody is amazing and awesome in there and we, we love our, our little community that we've created. So, um, yeah, if you like webcomics, boy howdy, do I have a recommendation for you. Everybody, hold on to your butts, because you should look up B-Side You Comic, which is B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com. Okay, yes, I do know the author of that particular webcomic, and it is Casey from this very podcast. But um, I can say with absolute certainty, because she's not here right now, and I don't have to pretend to be nice, I'm telling you it's an awesome webcomic. It's beautiful, number one, but the story is also amazing, and it has the best character of all time, Slater, which apparently everybody but Dan and I disagrees with that assessment, but everybody else is wrong. Dan and I are right. Slater's the best. So good. Um, yeah, and if you want to get sneak peeks ahead of schedule, you can find Casey on Patreon. Become one of her patrons. It's Casey D Studios on Patreon. I highly recommend that you become a patron because then you will get sneak peeks of gorgeous comic panels that are coming up soon. Just yesterday, she published this beautiful two-page spread, and it's just like First of all, it's super fun because you can see the way that she like kind of lays out and creates stuff and she'll take you through her process and like how she moves stuff around and builds stuff and it's super cool, but also it just looks gorgeous. And then you can also see our bad boy Marceau smoking in the courtyard, which is, I think, illegal, but apparently nobody but me cares about that. So whatever. Become a patron. I highly recommend it. And uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else is on my note cards here? It's funny that you would ever think I have note cards. I don't. I do this off the top of my head. I am on a podcast. It's not this one. It's a different one. And I do the other one with friends of, of this pod, David and Drew, who are on our Alternomorphs episode, the second one. And Drew did our Megamorphs in the Time of the Dinosaurs episode. Um, we're on a podcast about Superboy, comic books from the 90s. Hell yeah. It's called From Cadmus to Crisis. This is... And uh, I'm there because they let me stay for some reason. From the kindness of their hearts. Not because I know much of anything about Superboy. Although now I kind of do. So whatever. Come hang out with us. It's super cool. We read the comic books. We have a lot of fun. Um, you don't have to know all of the series to get into it. We have a lot of one-off episodes, especially recently. We've been doing things like Spider-Boy, which is a two-comic book run where he's half Superboy, half Spider-Man. Um, and that's been really fun. We did, uh, like a Christmas episode with the Alpha Centurion, which is just one comic book. So if you only want to listen to one episode, there you go. Do that one. It's very funny. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, uh, what I do in my spare time. When I'm not talking about Animorphs, I'm talking about Superboy. 
All right, and that, I think, is the end of everything I have to tell you today. Um, just a reminder of our, our fanfic today because I have heard so much about this author and everything. I, I have since recording read another fanfic by Solo Moon, and I can say that it, their work is top-notch. Highly recommend it. Read it. Go check out that author, please. Um, you can find them on archiveofourown.org, like all the other ones that we read to you. Um, yeah. All right. Well, talk at you guys next week. Goodbye.